welcome to another episode of Grownish. As always, I'm Brooklyn Beatty. And I'm Josh Williams. And we got a lot of good stories to talk about. Some of your usual things, you know, stuff you should know, good news today. I got some good stories planned. What about you, Josh? You know what, Brooklyn? I've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, you know, just to kind of give a, a quick uh, look at here. You know, we've got uh, uh, International Good Deeds Day, which was yesterday on Sunday. So there's a lot of stuff that's happened that we've got to talk about. So we're going to take a look around the world and see how everyone spent International Good Deeds Day. Definitely. And then I wanted to take some time today to talk about not my favorite subject, but I think it's worth mentioning. It's been over a year now since COVID hit the pandemic. And I feel like you and I have talked a lot about Things that have changed or humor that has come up that has only been a thing because the pandemic started. And I just kind of wanted to do a rundown and see where we're at. There's a lot of things that we can talk about as we have already endured in our, what is it, the the year in, if we'll call it, a year in review of what it's like to be in a pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic. So we've got a lot to discuss on our discussion port portion that comes at the end of this uh, show today. But mm-hmm. oh, Brooklyn, you want to get started with the uh, stuff you should know? Yeah. And I have to warn you, I was trying to find some things that were just, you know, things you wouldn't necessarily know right off the top of your head. And mine are really weird, but I have to share them. All right, let's get to it. Number one, lobsters taste with their feet. What? Yeah. So apparently there's tiny bristles inside the lobsters pinchers in their feet, and it's the equivalent to human taste buds. So basically they're tasting while they're walking with their toes. And then that's not even the weirdest part. On top of that, to make lobsters even stranger, their teeth are actually in one of their three stomachs. They have three stomachs. They have three stomachs, teeth in one of them, their feet have taste buds. <laughs> oh my gosh, what? There's a lot happening. There's a lot with happening lobsters. With this lobster. Yeah, so I just thought I would share it with some new knowledge for myself. Figured it might be for you too. I got one of the most interesting ends too. And you may or may not know this, but babies don't have kneecaps. I've heard that before. Well, they do, but they just aren't made of bone. It's like the cartilage, right? Yeah, they're made of little bits of cartilage that uh, has yet to um, ossify into bone. Uh, Apparently, that's the word, ossify. Okay. I've never heard that word, but I trust you. So I I thought this whole thing was just the damnedest thing. But you know what's weird is the fact that babies have to learn to crawl before they walk. So these are, are they learning to crawl on kneecaps or they have not grown their kneecaps yet? I have so many questions. There are a lot of questions that we need a doctor to talk about this with. I agree. Yes. Okay, my next fact for you. The shortest war in history lasted for 38 minutes. 38 minutes? That was a war. It's actually went down as a war. So I'll, I'll break it down for you. It's kind of confusing. But when the Sultan of the British protected Zanzibar died... And a new one took over. He took over without any British approval. This was back in 1896. So the Brits obviously weren't happy. The guy decided he's not going to step down. So the British warships spent 40 minutes bombarding the palace before this guy chickened out and fled. Good so Lord. within a 40 minute time, there was an actual war between the ruler of Zanzibar and the Brits. The Brits won. 38 minutes. 38 minutes. <laughs> and then he ran away. And he was like, I don't want to die today. So he's gone. So they've got their own Paul Ravine, pretty much. I don't know what that means. Paul Ravine I'm is the guy who rode with the horse. He was kind of like Paul the guy. Paul Revere? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe if I got his name right. So I don't know who's on who. That's on me. Yeah. That, we'll sounds, ju- that one's on you. We'll keep it moving, though, here we'll on Coronish. Well, hey, if you're waking up a little bit on the shorter side, measure yourself when you first wake up. Guess what? Why? You're tallest when you first wake up in the morning. Don't believe me? 
Okay. Well, this phenomenon may be due to gravity compressing cartilage in our spine and in other parts of our body, such as our knees when we stand up or sit down throughout the day, right? So while we're laying down in a resting position, the spine is said to spread out or decompress. So when we wake up in the morning, we are, in fact, taller after we've been laying down all night. Can I ask you something? Yeah, go Do for it. Do you feel skinnier in the morning, too, or is that just me? Well, hey, after I've come back from the loo, I feel a lot better. <gasps> Don't say that. Well, I said it in the nicest way possible, but you that's did. usually when the I loo. feel pretty skinny in the morning. Well, I will say this. I'm wondering if I'm feeling skinnier because I'm taller, so my skin is stretching out. It's taking some of the belly fat and stretching it. Oh. Probably not, but I was but just maybe, wondering. Maybe that is really happening, though, because if you think about it, I mean, hey. In my grownish mind version of science, that's what's happening. I is love it, it real? Who knows? It's grownish science, though. It's grownish science. I like that. Okay, my next one. This doesn't have any con. Like, there's no more. I'm just going to tell you the statement, and it is what it is. <laughs> Before toilet paper was invented, do you know what we used as Americans? Uh, ooh, what do we use? Corn cobs. You what? Yeah. No. I have nothing else to tell you about that. That's just no. a statement. We use corn cobs. <sighs> corn cobs. Corn cobs. Like. Think about okay how scrap. Okay, no. Let me take you back even further before they're even dry. Yikes. When you're peeling the corn cob and there's all those strings Yikes. that come out. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. He doesn't know what I'm talking no, about. No, I know what you're talking about. I'm over here trying oh. to. Yeah, I'm already at what the, are you, the Where deep is end. it going after that? Now you got like strings stuck like on In your places butt. you don't want. I yeah. wasn't going to say the butt word, but well, I you mean, know. it's a podcast. I mean, we might as well speak our truth. Okay. And well, that's unfortunate because like you think about it, that's what dogs go through, right? He don't even use corn cobs, though. Unfortunate. Oh, my so, gosh. Fun fact for your day. Huh. That's a horror story. Well, I'm going to give you something. Hey, if you ever struggle with tipping at the end, I've been with some people who are like, you know what? I'm not sure what to tip. So they bust out their calculator. Well, here is a way that you can do it without a calculator. Assuming that you want to tip 20% for good service. You know, obviously, we've all been there. We've had some right. bad ones. You can move the decimal point one digit to the left and then double that number. It's really just that easy. For example, if the bill is $35.50, you move the decimal to the left, which gives you $3.55. Now double that number, and you've got $7.10, a 20% a twenty percent tip calculated without a calculator. Is that what you've been doing this whole time? Yes. I wanted this. I'm glad some... I'm kind of upset, but I'm impressed, because let me take you guys back for a second. <laughs> Obviously, you guys know that Josh and I are a couple, so we go out all the time, get food. And I swear, every time I'm paying, I sit there, I get my phone out, get my calculator out, and before I get the money, like, before I figure it out, Josh is already like, oh, it's seven bucks. And I'm always like, are you a math genius? Which I'm not. Obviously, I, I tell her all he the time, to, we're in trouble with our kids me, in the math department. You had me fooled when it came to you just calculating, that you were doing this the whole time, the decimal. <laughs> well, now really I feel simple. like I can do it too. See, Thank look at that. Thank you for sharing. Boom. More you know. I feel like I learned something today. That's what this is about. This podcast is about bringing you stuff that you should know. We're growing. We're learning. We're grownish. We're growing together. Okay, with I have one you, more. you, the listener out there too, by the way. Obviously. We Come love on. you. We love you so much. Here's my last one for today. Three Musketeers bars got their name... Because they used to come in three flavors. No way. Yeah. So the original bars, they were made in 1930, came out in three packs with a different flavor in each, vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. The reason they stopped was because World War II made the rations really tight, 
and they had to only choose one flavor to stick with. So obviously they have chocolate. So we've never had the vanilla or strawberry flavors. Get out of here. So you're telling me that there is a whole world out there where there are two other flavors of Three Musketeers. I have not even tried. A parallel universe where they never had to stop with the three flavors and it's still... So where are they at? I don't know, but you know what I'm wondering? I wonder if I go on eBay or something, if someone has them. Someone has to have 1930s. Do I want to eat it? Ladies and gentlemen, we've discovered what's inside Fort Knox, Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not gold. (laughs) It's the other two flavors of Three Musketeers bars. (laughs) I was just kind of sad because I actually really love Three Musketeers. They're one of my favorites. That's a good one. That's it. That's all I have today for the stuff you should know. Do you have anything else? That was it on the stuff you should know. I think it's a good time for us to take a little break break. Right. And we'll come back with some good news. All right. Good news on the way. Welcome back. It's time to talk about one of our favorite subjects, and that is good news. And we have some good stories pulled up. I will let Josh go first. Absolutely. So obviously yesterday was International Good Deeds Day. Good Deeds Day. That's a hard one to say. But over 100 million people in 100 countries took part in this yesterday. Now, it was launched 15 years ago in Israel as a small local event. And every year on April 11th, basically everyone around that region gets geeked up. The enthusiasm is off the chart. This year's events will center around thousands of projects dedicated to bettering society, all under the uh, 2021 theme of reconnecting. Obviously, what a fitting way to come out after the uh, pandemic. So we'll take a look at some of the countries here and what they're doing as part of International Good Deeds Day. In Panama, 24 hours of good deeds are planned, including building community gardens, gardens, donating school supplies, and giving haircuts to homeless shelters. In the United Kingdom, hundreds will take part on hands-on projects across London all month long. People will choose their way of doing good amongst themselves. In Costa Rica, this is their eighth year of taking part of the program. A whole month of good deeds are planned from donating personal kits to hundreds of hospitalized people to concerts, blood drives, and then the NGO festival that will highlight ways to do good year around. And in the U.S., people in 50 states will take part and participate in uh, the Points of Light, which is called IAVE. Habitat for Humanity, and other organizations. A virtual chess and leadership training will be held for at-risk use. So this was all being kicked off yesterday and will go all month long. International Good Deeds Day. That's so cool. So it's really International Good Good Deeds Month at this point. You're right. Saying that's really hard. It's a tough one to say. International Good Deeds Day. Say that three times fast. You can't. You can't. (laughs) We'll leave this one in here so you can know that that we're real here. And that was a struggle. But uh, And and we always like to do that for you guys. But that's International Good Deeds Day. I love that. I love that. I feel like we need more of that all over the place. Outstanding stuff. Here in the States. All right, Brooklyn. Take us away. All right. So this story I found earlier last week. And it's I've been thinking about it ever since because I was a Girl Scout. So it has a little special place in my heart. A girl who is actually a cancer survivor, she broke the Girl Scout record of selling the most amount of cookies, 32,000 boxes. Wow. But here's the best part. She's actually donating the proceeds to six kids. So 
Her name is Lily Bumpus. She's eight years old, and she survived a a rare form of cancer back when she was an infant. Um, Basically, the experience left her determined to take up a battle for other kids fighting cancer. And this past year, she took the huge step forward in making that dream come true by breaking the record. I said it was 32,000, the exact number, 32,484 boxes. And I know from personal experience that selling boxes of cookies can be hard work. Um, But not only that, that's just an insane amount. I can't even imagine how they got them in and out of their house and transported to all the people they needed to send them to. It's just crazy. Um, But yeah, so she's donating a huge chunk of the proceeds to fund childhood cancer research and to an organization that feeds the homeless. Wow. Right. Isn't that so sweet? 32,000 boxes. And so I was kind of looking into it a little bit more. Um, Since she is a cancer survivor, she actually has had a decent platform on social media, like Instagram, Facebook. She has a following. People just love her story. And she's just been like, I hate to say Insta-famous, but Insta-famous, right? Right. So she sold boxes to people all over the country due to that. I mean, people were buying them. I mean, not even the country, the world. People were buying them from Canada, England, Spain, Paris, Rome, and Egypt. No way. But then she wasn't just using her, um, like, quote-unquote fame to sell the cookies. She actually set up a booth outside her house and did the legwork. One day, toward the end of her season, the mom reports that she and her daughter, Lily, boothed for 11 hours straight and sold 500 boxes that day. 11 hours. So she was actually doing the work. It wasn't just, you know, oh, I'm famous on social media, buy the cookies and I'm sending them out, which would have been fine in itself. But she was actually sitting outside her house 11 hours a day. So all in all, I just thought that was a really, really cool story. What a beautiful job by this little girl to use not only what, uh, you know, the world and life has, you know, given her, right? Mm -hmm. But she's used it to the fullest and and bravo, right? One last thing about her. Yeah. So not only is all this, you know, all good news, but her Girl Scout troop has something in common. What's that? They all have cancer in common. So they're either survivors like Lily is, they're currently fighting cancer, or they have a family member who died from the disease. So if you're in that Girl Scout troop, like they already have that bond that some people can't relate to. So I thought that was sweet as well. Wow. That is so sweet. That's a good story there, Brooklyn. Thank you. We're going to take you uh, across to the Middle East where Saudi officials have announced a massive initiative aimed at protecting the Middle East from climate change. Now, you may or may not know that Saudi Arabia is home to some of the world's largest, driest, and hottest shifting sand deserts in the world. Now, the Green Saudi and Green Middle East initiatives aim to take the crown of the world's largest tree planting effort, which is about 50 billion trees across the Arab states. Now, these efforts uh, at home uh, will more than double the size of the kingdom's protected areas and create an enormous drive for green energy that would reduce global carbon emissions by 8% and at home domestic emissions by 60%. Now, they're aware of the wealth that's driven from fossil fuels, and the initiatives are seeking to create, get this, 50% green energy by the end of the decade. Wow. That's just in the one, you said it's in Saudi Arabia? Yeah. Imagine if we did that all over the world. Yeah, and and use that as a a method to combat this uh, carbon, uh, you know, reductor, right? Mm -hmm. We have to find ways to start, you know, start reducing these numbers. So it's been amazing to see, like, a... Some of these governments that are over there in, in the Middle East have really taken a step. This isn't the first time we've had um, a, middle, uh, a Middle Eastern you know, 
government we're talking about now stepping up into the forefront of climate change. We've we've talked about India a couple of weeks ago, them stepping up into having some, uh, well, relocating some of the wildlife habitat. It all coexists if you, right, really, you right. really think about it. So just a, a beautiful job and, and way to step outside the box from uh, whoever led the charge here. but. Well, and even that, but it's like the numbers of reduction, you said 60%. I mean, it's not even just a little bit. It's a substantial amount. So well done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good story. Um, do you know who Dick Van Dyke is? Oh, of course. I mean, yeah, who the, doesn't, uh, Dick right? Van Dyke show. I love Dick Van Dyke. So I was telling you this off air, but I might as well mention it here too. When I was like a little kid, I'm talking five years old, one of my first celeb crushes was Dick Van Dyke on Mary Poppins. Oh, that is adorable. I adored him. So anyway, he's always had a little special place in my heart. But I guess outside of all his great roles, he's also been doing a lot of good out in the community. And this kind of seemed really sweet. So he's 95. You'd think that this man's like, all right, it's time for me to relax. I'm going to retire. You know what I mean? No. He's out there on the streets. He showed up to an L.A. Malibu community labor exchange, basically people who were down and out looking for a job, and walked down the row and gave people cash that were looking for jobs just because. How beautiful is that? Right. And I guess, like, I was looking into it a little bit more. He's been in and out of the news constantly, and it's always just for good deeds, mostly just doing things people don't expect him to do. So he's truly living life by leading the way. Yeah. So adorable. Love Dick Dan, Dick Van Dyke. So well done. Absolutely. Well done. We'll take you to international dark sky week. That's right, folks. Monday kicked off international dark sky week and officially the week of the new moon, which means there's a no better time to look up and seek out the shimmering constellations up there. Planets, meteors, shooting stars. You can see it all on a new moon week. International Dark Sky Week was launched back in 2003 by who else? The International Dark Sky Association, which is based in Arizona. It's a nonprofit that works to preserve and protect the nighttime environment and our heritage of dark skies through the quality of outdoor lighting. How about that? Well, guess what? If you are headed out to some of these spots, we're going to list four of them. They are international dark sky parks or sanctuaries. You can check out some of these spots and maybe see for yourself some of the wonders that the uh, dark skies have to offer. Well, if you're out in the uh, West Coast, Los Angeles, California, you can head out to Joshua Tree National Park. And I've got to tell you, outside of uh, uh, the U2 song, uh, I I thought Joshua Tree was just a a fictional thing, but it's a real forest. Not to make myself sound... uh, incompetent over here, but just over 100 miles from Los Angeles, Joshua Tree National Park has officially been a dark sky park since 2017. And in fact, according to the National Park Service, it boats some of the darkest skies in all of Southern California. So all of our California listeners out there, head out to Joshua Tree National Park for this week, International Dark Sky Week. On to our next in San Antonio, Texas. You can check out Devil's River State Natural Area, named the first international dark sky sanctuary in Texas back in 2019. There may be no better spot in the Lone Star State for a solitude on a clear night to observe some meteors. How about that? Next one we'll go to is in Phoenix, Arizona, the Tonto National Monument. Arizona's already known for its amazing dark skies. But less than two hours' drive from Phoenix, Arizona, you might want to check out the Tonto National Monument. Do yourself a favor, folks. And for our listeners in Florida, the Sunshine State, Orlando, Florida, the Kissimmee Prairie Preserve State Park, 
recognized as Florida's first international dark sky park in 2016. Camp out there to experience some of the darkest skies in all of the Sunshine State. That's a way that you can celebrate International Dark Sky Week. Do we not have any around us? Oh, it's so funny that you you mentioned that, Brooklyn. I'm so glad that you did. I'm 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 thrilled because we do. We actually have two in our area, and for the folks who are listening, we're in the Sancho County South Bend area of Indiana, northern Indiana, and in Michigan, we actually have one. Uh, it is a, a park that's kind of just outside of Lansing, Michigan, and then we have one in Indiana that's outside of Beverly Shores. So that's one that's kind of by Michigan City, if you will. So for the folks listening locally, get out to those two spots. Check out International Dark Sky Week. Well, Josh, now all I have to say is I just feel like I need to check out some dark skies. Maybe this week. Maybe this week. It's the best week to do it. Let's do it. Okay, so here's my last story. And this one I saved for last because I love it. A stray dog got adopted recently, but it's not even that. That was the cutest part. So it happened at a North Carolina Dollar General store. According to store staff, the dog was a repeat offender. He kept coming in throughout the day five separate times to pick up a pink and purple unicorn, stuffed unicorn. (laughs) This dog would not leave it alone. And so they kicked it out once. He came back in over and over and over. So after the fifth time, they instead locked the doors and just basically called, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Animal control. Animal control. Thank you. So they basically locked the doors and called animal control after the fifth time. And um, they came to get him. And her name was Samantha Lane. This was the animal lady that picked him up. Bless her heart. She went in and bought the unicorn for him first because they were like, he wanted it so bad. We can't just pick him up. It's a dog. Five times. Five times. Yeah. So they did take him to the shelter, but she went and bought the toy first. And she was telling Inside Edition that he sleeps on it, lays on it. He just loves it. He won't leave it alone. So then it gets better. Not long after they took him to the shelter, the shelter posted pictures of him. They named him Sisu. S-I-S-U. I'm guessing that's Sisu. 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 Um, yeah, they posted pictures, kind of told his story with the unicorn, and he already has an adoptive family that are waiting to pick him up. No They way. have to wait a certain amount of time before they can adopt him, just because in case he had some owners that he was a lost dog, they have to prove, you know, that it's theirs, but they can't just adopt him out. But they think it's just a stray. Right. Um, so, yeah, once they wait that allotted amount of time, they'll be able to take him home. And then Dollar General also sent a few extra unicorns to the adoptive family, so he'll never be without one of those oh, unicorns. Dude, what a, oh, that's beautiful. I know. That's a beautiful story. Right I mean, there. I, I love like human that. stories, don't get me wrong, but something about a cute animal story, man, just makes the day. I can't wait to see Stella's face. Uh, Brooklyn's dog over here. She just got her a new toy that she's getting to unwrap today. So it's made me think of the. It's a dinosaur. It is. It is. It's, it's adorable. Are you are you done with the good news? Absolutely. Okay, me too. That's all I had today. Okay. So stay with us because we're going to do something new. Um, we're adding a segment called the discussion today, just for us to talk about something, whatever is on our minds today. A year update on COVID. Dun dun dun. Stay with us. Welcome back. It's time for the discussion. Today's, the discussion. Today's topic, COVID. And it's a year. It's not even a year now. It's a year and a month since this all kind of 
started happening? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it started a year and a month. I mean, I'll give my little personal testament to it. Uh, January of 2020, I was in the hospital for 15 days before all this COVID thing came out. And uh, they didn't know what it was. They ca- they called it pneumonia. And they said I had a, a really bad case of the flu. And they even labeled me septic, which means I had a blood infection. Well, didn't you even get tested for pneumonia, though, and it didn't even come back positive for right. pneumonia? right. Because that's the thing. I truly believe that this has been around longer than we thought. Yeah. Because people December like you were actually sick before this was an actual pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't really want to get too dark with it. No. But I just kind of wanted to give an update because something happened for Josh and I last week. That was a big step. It was a really big step. And no, I didn't propose to her, folks. <laughs> we got vaccinated. We got vaccinated. Pfizer. Pfizer. And let me just say this. It was a well-oiled machine at that vaccination clinic. Uh, ironically enough, you know, Brooklyn and I scheduled our appointments like 10 minutes apart from each other. We waited all. Basically, we woke up from, what was it, 12 p.m. or midnight, and we're trying all morning to get in. And we didn't get in until, what, was it like 8, 9 o'clock in the morning? We yeah, were finally well, able to make our appointment. We thought they were going to open it up to 16 plus. Is it 16 or 18 plus? I think it was 16. Uh, 16 and older. Yeah, we thought they were going to open it up to... All of us at midnight the day of. So we set alarms to sign up at midnight. We were in for a surprise. They didn't even open it up and make it available until 8 a.m. So until 8 a.m. So uh, we went through that whole battle. So it was kind of nice knowing that we would go through this whole vaccination process together. Um, Of course, you know, even leading up to the day of our vaccination, you know, there was still a lot of like questions for me. I was a little nervy. I was freaking Brooklyn out because I would always like ask questions about, you know, like how safe are these and bring up all the questions in the world, which I mean, I feel like are are right to ask. You know, I agree. That's why. Okay, just to take a quick stance, I feel like for me, I've been very pro vaccine from the start and that's okay. But I honestly do understand where some people are coming from, where they have reservations there have questions. I feel like we are blessed to live in a country where we can ask questions, Yeah, you know, so we did we did talk about it quite a bit before we got one. We had lots of discussions. And you had like a lot of decisions to make because you were nervous about it. But I told you, you know, whatever you decide. And we did end up getting the vaccines together. And we've got the second dose scheduled for later this month. We, we will. Let's talk about that process of getting a, our shot. I know that, you know, obviously you have already told me how it went for you, but let's talk to the listeners out there and let them know how yeah. that process was. Well, like I said, it was a well-oiled machine. So after we signed up, which took a while, obviously, but the day of when we got there, we walked right in. They told us to sit down. We had signed up and registered in advance, which helped a lot because When you do sign up online, if you haven't already and you're kind of wondering what's the process, when you do sign up online, you make your appointment, but then it says, hey, if you want to register now, it'll be quick once you get there. So we both registered ahead, but you don't have to. Right. It made the process a little easier, So much faster because I even sat down. So, you know, you sit down in six-foot separated chairs in the building, and then they call you up one at a time to kind of just get your information in before you get the shot. Well, the guy that had me to fill in my information, he goes, oh, wow, you registered in advance. Bless you. Because I guess he has not. He didn't have that many people that day that had so far. And so it was so easy for him because, I mean, it's a hard day for those people. That was the only thing that I I would say maybe could have like helped some of that, um, you know, congestion at the beginning. 
would have been figuring out who was already pre-checked in and who still needed to check in. Yeah. Right. Because it would help out the volunteers because if you know you're volunteering for people who need to be checked in, it'll change your mindset before you're just hoping it's people who have already registered and no one has. So after we get the the check-in part, we're, we're sitting in these like open lots. Uh, it almost looks like just empty seating, right, for, for where we're at for the staging area to go get our shot. And then... Uh, then it, it just seems like it went pretty fast. Yeah, they put you in a line, you go through, they tell you to sit down. And it, I mean, it's just a shot. So really, it did keep moving because unless someone had a ton of questions, it didn't really take you long to sit down with your assigned person, right. get the shot and moved on. My lady was super talkative, but she was talkative in the best way. She was very, very kind. I will say this. Everyone there was so friendly. Super friendly. I didn't have any issues with anyone. Everyone was Greeted me with a smile on their face. Really helpful. Team vaccine. Team vaccine for sure. For sure. So yeah. So the shot, I felt like it was interesting because I said it hurt really bad. You didn't say you felt much. No, I didn't feel the shot at all. And it wasn't until what was it? Maybe the 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 following morning when we woke up. That's uh, I think that's when I I shot you a message and said, "Hey, my arm's hurting." Yeah. No. Same. Well, no, actually not same. Mine hurt really bad the next day as well, but. Mine hurt getting the shot. Like, it actually hurt. And I feel like I'm actually pretty good with needles and stuff. Shots usually don't bother me. But that one, I was like, ow. I remember you saying that because we had to drive home after that. And then you were telling me that, oh, my goodness, my arm is over here sore. And I was like, you know what? I'm not feeling it. But the next day, it felt like someone had punched me all day long. But But there were no, that's the one thing. I'm not sure that's where you were going with it. But waking up the next day, I was fearful that we were going to wake up sick. That's the thing. So we know a lot of the same people obviously working together. And a couple of our coworkers have gotten the first shot already. Yeah, They both have gotten so sick after they got the vaccine. The one coworker, he told me he was laying on the floor of his office for a while because he could not sit at his desk because he just felt so bad. Yeah, there's no way. And so we did the the hindsight thing, and we took that we took the, that day off so that we didn't have to come into work. And then we didn't really even feel sick. No, it was just like a, a vacation day because, honestly, we felt good all day. Better, better safe than sorry, though. Right, right. And I think I'm going to do the same for that next shot because I actually have heard from some people that the second shot makes you way sicker. So we have the chance of potentially being sick again. So I think I might take off the next Friday for my second shot as well. In all honesty, for you listening out there, uh, you know, I guess only the symptoms that we have, which is like, what, 24, we're actually, what, 48 hours We're now? now 48 hours in. 48 hours after is a little bit of fatigue, some tiredness, some stuffiness. I was going to say, I feel a little stuffy today, but sometimes I'm like, is it the weather? The weather changes yeah. so much anyway. It couldn't even be the vaccine. Who knows? Right. But all, all in all, I mean, hey, if you're going out there, we obviously got the, the Pfizer shot. Go get your vaccine if you still can. Please definitely do. I was a huge skeptic of it. Go through the the question and answer sites on there that are going to help you out and give you the information. Do your own research. Get yourself comfortable for it. But remember, once we get past that 70% of vaccination, that becomes herd immunity, right? right? So therefore, that's what we're aiming for. And I think the last numbers I saw in our area is we're like 28, 30% of where the vaccination numbers are. So we've got a lot of work to do, and it's going to take all of us in this together to go out and get vaccinated. I never thought I would be sitting across from Brooklyn, looking at her in the face, telling you these words today. But go out and get vaccinated. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) His perception of this has changed quite a bit, but I completely agree with everything you just said. Um, I did want to bring up a couple of things, though, concerning COVID, because like I said, we're a year in and there's just some stuff that has been happening around me lately. And I'm like, 
if the pandemic hadn't happened, this whole brand of humor, this whole brand of knowledge in general would just not even exist. There's some parallel universe where this isn't a thing. Um, the first thing was I was sitting at work the other day and we usually always have a couple TVs on different news stations. Well, Good Morning America plays at 9 a.m. or something. And they had a whole segment on what they were calling Zoom fashion. And it just it, if you would have told me in 2019 that we would have a Zoom fashion segment on TV to teach you how to look professional. I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying like. People are lucky when I'm on a Zoom meeting if I'm wearing real pants. (laughs) Why are they trying to get me to look fashionable? We are in Zoom. This is a pandemic. We have been quarantined. We are asking too much of people right now. Too much. That was cracking me up. I just had to share because I just thought that was so odd. Two years ago, no one would have even thought of that. What's the wildest thing you've ever worn on a Zoom call? Um... Probably just my robe. Like, I never got ready for the day. I was just wearing my robe and probably my glasses because I'm a glasses wearer and a contacts wearer, but I never wear glasses usually to work. So that'll make me look extra tired to people who are seeing it from me at being at home. I got in trouble one time from my program director, our program director, who came uh, and told me I was dressed too comfortable for a Zoom meeting, which I didn't know I was, was in possible. That Zoom. I, I didn't remember know that. that was possible. What were you wearing? All right, fair enough. I just had a pink, uh, <laughs> a pink, but no shirt. I was but going to the beach after that. Was Zoom. it buttoned? Uh, it was unbuttoned all the way down. Um, it was four buttons unbuttoned down. That's for the right. visual. I do remember being in that I was Zoom. tan, at least as well. Well. But in all honesty, you were in no, a work I apologize. Call. I apologize. You were in a. You were in a I work apologize. Call. It's a good thing we're dating now. Why? Because we could talk about this. <laughs> we could have talked about it before. I guess. Okay. Well, <laughs> so is that the wildest thing you've ever worn, though? No, I've probably thrown on some hockey jerseys. I don't know. No pants, hockey jersey. No pants. You know, sometimes you overslept and you woke up for that 10 o'clock Zoom call. Wow. All right. Anyway, this is weird from the perspective of someone who's been in those Zoom calls. All right, well, time out. Hold on. Well, you don't understand this, though, because when I was doing that sales hike over there on the radio side of uh, sales, I was having those 8 and 9 a.m. Zoom calls. So Mm -hmm. you didn't get to see the 8 a.m. early riser Zoom call meeting, and that was always a lot of fun. Yeah, I never got to see those. Usually our Zooms were only at like 11 a.m. or later. You get to see us primed up in the day. Mm -hmm. We're like a bunch of walking zombies. Oh, and something else I noticed, when you get vaccinated these days, they're giving incentives for getting vaccinated all over the place. And one of the ones I mentioned to you was Krispy Kreme. They're giving away a free donut every time you bring your um, vaccination card in to prove you got vaccinated. And the thing is, you can come back every single day and get a new donut. A new donut every single day. The rest of the year. Sign me up. Well, oh, you no, ha- we did. You did get signed up by getting a vaccine. Oh, I've heard of all yes. kinds of companies doing this. I wonder if they let me get a sprinkled donut. Is it any type of donut? I don't know, but we should try it. And we see. should go in there right after this. I'm down. Let's do it. And you because should today. Krispy Kreme has a new kind of donut out. I don't know if people have seen it yet, but it's the Oreo donut. Oh, what? Shut they the drizzle front door. It, they drizzle it with Oreo frosting on top. They fill it with the cream of Oreos in the middle, and they put a big cookie wafer on top. It looks yes, amazing. Queen. Krispy Kreme is just doing the most right now, but I'm here for Except it. Except for the coffee. They can do a lot better with the coffee. Yeah, usually if I'm getting Krispy Kreme, I am not getting coffee from Unfortunately, there. Unfortunately, guys. Sorry <laughs> okay. about that. So, well, also, time out before it, because there is something else 
Fellas, ladies, gents, this is out there for you. Sam Adams is paying for your first beer after being vaccinated. That's right. Show your vaccination card at your local pub, and you'll get a free pint of Sam Adams. Wow. See, this is what I'm talking about, people. Absolutely. There's some incentives. I was joking the other day with someone. I was like, you know, on your birthday where you can get free stuff everywhere you go, you go out to dinner, they'll give you a free dessert, go in yeah. Starbucks. Now you need to spend a day just getting your COVID vaccine freebies, just driving around town, going to all the places that give free stuff and stock up. But unlike Krispy Kremes, you can only get one. Well, one free beer. That's understandable, I guess. It's not a free beer. That Sam Adams is actually buying you that beer. That's true. Which is awesome. It's cool. And I think that's pretty much it. We are going to come back. We have one more segment, just quick life updates that Josh and I wanted to share. And then we'll wrap up the show for today. So stay with us. I tease that we have some quick life updates for you guys. And Josh, you have a pretty big one, so why don't you take it away? All right. Well, Brooklyn, uh, as you already know, I start uh, a new role as a sports anchor on MNC April 13th. I start the, the new spot for MNC. You can catch all sports news on the 45s, 5 a.m. to 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, with your boy, Josh Yay! Williams. I'm so excited. So you know what that means. We're on a show together every single day in the mornings. Every single day. So, yeah, guess what? It's it's Brooklyn and Josh all day long. I'm going to be teasing every single day. Now it's time for sports with Josh Williams. Thank you, Brooklyn. It's going to be so exciting. Congrats. I'm really proud of you for Thank making you, it to this point. Thank that is you. awesome. Thank you. All right, now let's, uh, let's hear. Well, actually, this was... This is, this kind is of both, both of us. us, and it's, what's funny is, you know, we're talking about we're together in the morning, doing the morning show. I haven't but proposed to her yet, folks. <laughs> Josh and I, Josh and I have a lot of stuff happening, because not only do we have the morning show together, but we wanted to make a quick little announcement, but we didn't want to give too much away today, that Gronish is going to be changing. Yes. Um, we Unfortunately. Have, not really unfortunately, though, because look at this this way. It's a We're still going to be around. We're still going to have a show together, but it's going to be in a little bit different of a format. Absolutely. I don't want to give too much away today, but I will say this. It's going to be a weekend show. So... So that means you folks need to come and check out Gronish last episode next week because we'll have all the details that you need to catch up with where you can find Brooklyn and Josh. We're not going to be too far away. No, we're not. We're going to be closer than you think. And I'm itching. I can't, I'm so excited to tell them, but we just can't tell them just yet. We can't yet, but next week, folks, we'll have tons of information to release to you guys. This is so exciting. Brooklyn so and I exciting. love being able to do this with you guys and, and being able to have discussions, tell you good news, tell you things you should know, and help you navigate this grownish cycle. Even though we've only been 20 episodes in, we've had a lot of fun. Oh my gosh, so much fun. I feel like fun. we have become so close. We have so many awesome listeners that always tell us they're excited to hear the new episode. I've just had a blast doing this. It's been a blast, and I'm excited to continue doing this yes, with you, Brooklyn. Just in a different format. Absolutely. All right. Well, how can people reach you, Josh? Well, you can find me on social media, Facebook at Josh Willie Williams, or on Twitter at Josh RW underscore Williams. And I'm on all the platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. 
Just find me at Radio Brooklyn. And that's really all we have today. You stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> stay grown-ish. We'll talk to you next week. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.